As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency up, in their man. lives. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men. Jump and die. Men who mean just what, what we say. The brave men of the green beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. Marcus! Marcus! I was this far away from wanting to wear a beret in my hey, life. Would you? We used to have berets. Y'all remember that? Vietnam yeah. Guys? Kim, I saw a picture where the Vietnam guy was wearing it. Dude, they told me. What was his name? Uh, remember that? I thought that was so cool. Dude, they told Trying to figure out how to wear it when you're like seven years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, when um, when they pulled those away from us. Who was the? There's that one. Uh, book. You, I, we were at Bragg. Did you ever feel like for a second there, like, man, can I just stay a little while and finish Robin Sage? Kind of because. Oh, totally. I remember dude. doing sub offs. Like I want to get my dolphins, but when you're when you're tabbed over, that's the one thing we don't get. A, we just get our caduce. That's it. Yeah, well, the guys who go to Ranger School. Remember they wear theirs under the their lapel tag, and you can't really appreciate the that part of it until you're overseas in the box and you, and you have to do a joint op and you walk in, you speak green Bray, right? right? Or totally. speak Ranger and it totally. completely opens up the door for it. Us being the bastards that we are, but 
I, and I, I'll tell you what, my experience over there was in while well, I was in the team was was the most miserable in the world, right? Because here I am, an undesignated E uh four -huh. at, at at the place, and there you know there's Rangers that have fifteen years, there's SF well, guys no with eight years, no, and I got nothing. <laughs> and I'm but I, I the respect I have for kind of how they run things was planted in, and so fast forward when I was with the agency. You know, and getting to work with those guys, and there's one dude, man, the mm -hmm. combat chassis, man, he got a silver star. He did twenty some odd years at SF, and just the efficiency with how they do things has always been just incredible to me. You know, right away. It was. It is interesting to go and see because there's a, there's a cultural divide, and I don't mean any kind of disagreement or rift, but there's just different ways that two communities do things, and when you have that cross population, Absolutely. you get to see the advantages of they do some things better than we do. You know Absolutely, I mean? we do things better than they do, but being able to see, hey, you know what, we could improve that by you know doing it that way. Well, oh, we're not scared to steal some ideas from, from the anybody. anybody, anybody, anybody yeah, we will rob, nothing. pillage, and steal yeah, right, every opportunity. <laughs> no, yeah, do not like get me wrong. It's one country, but two different tribes yeah. in, in the community. You know, speak different languages. Same way, it's military. That's a great part about it. I mean, that's the the, the patches, the uniforms. Like when you walk into a room, the first thing we always scan, right, is that BDU resume, like what you're dealing with, and. um you know, the green, they love their, their tabs. Yeah, they, they do. They do, boy. They, it's, no, they it's, love their PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's low blow. That's low. Well, welcome to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, with Mr. Never Quit Himself, Marcus Luttrell. We're also here with... Am I getting better at? The, the, does the music behind it still sound cool? Do we need to shift I'm it up? Growing, when, I'm when growing to appreciate it. It's yeah, a required this and have the, like, the soundboard and everything. You can throw the wizard theme song. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For and sure. no attention behind the man. Yeah. Behind the <laughs> 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 big curtain right there. And when we have video, every time we reference him, we'll reference the old Wizard of Oz dude behind the cream. Would you dig that? Yeah, it looks like, like a voting booth curtain. <laughs> So well hidden. <laughs> Those know? were the effects back then, dude. <laughs> hey, bro, dude, because this is kind of an America story or show today. Dude, what's up with the Eagles on the property? Are they great? Dude, you posted. Someone posted one of an up-close oh, they got one. a picture yeah. of it. Oh, it's not up-close. That's an expanded lens. But, they're, uh, yeah, man, they're great. Two of them, male and female. I named them Phylon and Myrtle. What? Wait, what? I, Come I, again? Had, I had an uncle Phylon and an aunt Myrtle when I was growing up. <laughs> I had an aunt Myrtle. Did you? I did. Yeah, yeah. And Myrtle. <laughs> so I named them Phylon and Myrtle. They're, they're great, man. They, uh, you they, named America, right? <laughs> you named America Phyla and Myrtle. Phylon. Phylon. Phylon and Myrtle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, yeah. They're great, man. They're around all the time. And um, I, I don't go anywhere in them, but they feed out of the, the pond over here. Right. Mm -hmm. Which there's no shortage of food for them out there. We've got four hawks, all those owls now. Uh, and it's it's something. The other day, I was walking out of the uh, the, the back porch down towards the barn, uh -huh. and uh, normally they post up. There's that dead tree over there, yeah. the tree uh -huh. of death, if you call it. Well, <laughs> they all post up, and then the big pine tree on the other side, and then they also post up on the one right outside, so they have the vantage of the entire pond. I didn't see him in there. 
I wasn't even paying attention, really. And I was walking down to the barn. This is the first time I ever felt like a field mouse. I mean, like I would have right. felt like to be prey. So I, <laughs> I guess he didn't see me coming either. And I had walked underneath him. And he came out of that tree. And I just hear this. I mean, a big gush of air or air leaving actually you know what i'm talking about just the, the area uh-huh. i was in then the shadow came over the top of me and it folded down and then it, it opened back up and i i'm not gonna say i completely bitched out and screamed at the deck <laughs> but i was like <laughs> it's kind of turned around and looked at this thing man coming down and they are Massive. impressive yeah man they're beautiful right. amazing predators and that sucker came down and swooped over the top of me and flew back up to that other tree over where myrtle was and uh <laughs> Byline buzz the tower. Huh? Yeah, byline buzz the tower. <laughs> Dude, that's beyond cool. You know, I wasn't ready for it. You know, when something happens, even as trained up as we are, and we do have our guard. I was out in the middle of no, I'm at the house, right? Yeah, I shouldn't be yeah. attacked by a three and a half foot <laughs> this is, bald yeah. eagle. This is not Africa. There are not predators lurking at all. I mean, maybe snakes. Right? Yeah, I wonder if he had it in his that's head. He's going to try and grab the snakes. Yeah, the they're snakes, out and running now. Just um. Well, I told you the two king snakes I saw breeding down there look like a python. When I came around the corner of the lawnmower, I was jamming out. Like, there's a python in front of me right now. That can't be right. I'm in Texas. Maybe no. the heat's getting to me. But it was two king snakes wrapped up mating. And <laughs> that was intimidating. Oh, Mr. No Shoulders. I, I mean, they just, I don't know what it is. I know the. What is it about snakes? Yeah, man? Chris, I don't know. Man, if you're a first-time listener, I hope you realize what we have to go through. The danger out here <laughs> at Marcus's Ranch in order to put this show on for you. We are always skirting death. We are on the edge of the Reaper's Blade yeah, every Wiz- day. Bringing Wizard this almost shit. steps on a copperhead every time he goes out. Literally. Hey, you're not kidding, man. I don't know what it is about me and copperhead. Here, <laughs> I think I've killed. Well, I don't know. And the, the coyotes are bad, too. They're, we just saw one yeah, of those, too. The rain, the rain pushes everything out, and this is the high ground, so... They come up. They coming. Well, welcome to the show, boy. Like Noah's we got... Ark of Danger around here. So the door open, right? <laughs> yeah. So, welcome to the show. Man, if we got a doozy for you, you're going to love this. Uh, if you want to know more about... Oh, I left out the, the wonderful people who keep coming back all the time. Man, we love you. If you're back, you're repeat offender. If you love America as much as we do, welcome back to the show, Thank you so much. Without you, we would not be closing in on 6 million downloads. And we just are so thankful. If you guys have any interest in knowing more about us or what we're doing, visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. That's tnqpodcast.com, where you can figure out why we're doing all this, what's going on. You can also read our incredible submissions. We have hundreds of listener submission stories that are posted on the page. You can ask us questions that we'll probably end up reading about, reading on, on the show at some point. Uh, and you can buy swag, baby. You swag. can buy swag, Marcus. It's here. Swag, Marcus. Swag, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> We've got teachers, and we're also working on hats and coffee mugs and other things for you here in the future. You can also follow all three of us on social media. Marcus is at Marcus Luttrell. I'm at Team Frog Logic, and Wizard is 
surprisingly on there, which is a blessing. And you can look at this brand new table he built. Uh, uh, at, just go at the Wizard TNQ. Search that and you'll find Just us. in case the podcast fails. It's <laughs> yeah. a safety net. <laughs> this is his I'm backup plan. This is his backup plan, right? Is it level? Does it do one of these? When you put your elbow? Him? Right. You think he would have? You think? Where's it at? Melanie's been wanting me to do this too. I've been watching the sword forging. That seems like a lot of work. Smashing steel. What is it? Forged and fire. Forged and fire. Well, dude, our guest is on the the offshoot of that show, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. It's pretty amazing, man. So it's and it's peaceful, right? It's yeah. When you're it's doing that, that, that yeah. peace working of mind, with, working with wood, it's really your hands. great to create yeah, things create as them. opposed to destroying. And it's also more difficult. What, what do they say? You don't. Nice it's not point. that you. What, that was freaking deep over there. Yeah, you dude. don't create it. You nice. just cut away what was already there, or however. Triple A sculptor's mindset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's already there. You're just pulling. You're the not creating off. it. You're it's creating yeah. you and look at what. Wait, wait. Wait, what? Hold, hold on. You guys are putting me in an existential moment right here. <laughs> we were talking about that. Good gosh. Good gosh. <laughs> All right. Wizard, man, tell us about this cat because his resume is too insane. Lamb. Too lamb, too lamb, too lamb, too lamb, too lamb. All right. So too lamb. Let's start where uh, the beginning of his story where he was born in Vietnam. Wow. Um, the U.S. pulled out March 1973 in involvement in Vietnam. He was born in Saigon. He was um, following when the NVA took over, they started executing everyone that was on the other team, so to speak. His family, many of his uncles were involved um, in the opposition against the NVA in, in different capacities. Many of them were executed. Um, the persecution was massive. At some point, his grandfather... Um, used the money he had left over to smuggle uh, to his mother and his brother out of the country. And hopefully he goes into some detail on that because that's a very interesting story. Huge. Transitioning, I mean, Chuck never quit, man. Yeah, Whoa. transitioning from Vietnam, uh, refugee camp, I believe it was in Singapore, eventually lands in the United States in the Fayette, Vietnam what'd you, what'd you, area, it's, Fort you Bragg. Know it is? It's... It was pawn shops and strip joints. <laughs> used car shop or used car dealership, tattoo parlor, pawn shop. <laughs> Repeat. Uh, Repeat. And those strip malls yeah, from yeah. the 70s, man. Lemon lots. <laughs> that was the best thing to get to do. Doo Station heading over to Lemon Lot and get a, a gym. Oh, dude. Dude. <laughs> a gym. I, I, bro, I remember they had this. They, the first club they opened when, when I was at Club, Club Neo, right? And I went over there, bro, and I was minding my own business when the freaking bouncer came up to me. We were in there like 12, 15 dudes. And the bouncer uh -huh. comes up, mind, I swear, mind you, minding my own business, not doing anything. The bouncer comes up and is like, yo, you got to go. And, you know, big, big, you know, black dude. And he's, I'm like, uh, why do I have to go? He goes, I've been watching you. I know what you're doing. You got, we don't take, you got to get out of here. I'm going, I, I beg your pardon. I'm not doing nothing. And he comes over, he goes, right now, let's go. And he grabs me. 
And so every Friday, did you do uh, did you do hand to hand every Friday with Wyland? Uh, Remember that dude, the old Green Beret badass, right? He would beat the snot out. We'd get up every morning and do that stuff. Oh, dude, just Fridays for us. It was crazy for you then. So he had just told us this way how to get out of a headlock where you sl- you you smash the inside of the knee on that nerve. The guy falls, you slip out, and then you bra- you know you smash in the back of his neck, break his teeth on the way down, neck and all that. So I'm like, sounds I'm in, like an opportunity. Oh, right, dude. Training evaluation. I got to do a, a a real run. So he puts me in this headlock after a few choice words. Me being the gentleman I was, and he's moving me <laughs> towards. So it took a while to click in. I'd added one or two, right? And I'm moving towards the door, and I said, "Aha!" <laughs> so I start whacking this guy on the inside of his knee. Well, mind uh-huh. you, he was big dude, right? So I'm whacking him, and I'm not hitting it because my mark is off. So finally, we get close to the door. I hit it. He starts falling. I forgot the whole slip out of it part, right? Rest of right, it. Right? So on the way oh, out. Sh- it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way out, my head catches the, uh. Uh, the aluminum frame of the door, rips me wide open. But it, you couldn't tell yet. So we're rolling around. The other bouncer in the, in the entrance jumps on me. I'm trying to, you know, inch my way. I get out the door. And just then, my one buddy, Will, who had seen me, the other medic, comes well, running out. And my first platoon comes running out. And he looks at me. His eyes are bug-eyed, dude. What he had seen, I had a puddle of blood around my head. That was gigantic, dude. He immediately strips off his shirt, goes to render aid. So my what other- he sees is training opportunity. You see how this yeah, happens, right? Yeah, so I see safe. <laughs> it's all, totally, it's you can all see him part process. of the job. <laughs> so he goes to hit me. Next thing, my other buddy, Doug, comes out, tackles the two of those. We scuffle. Now it's a Mexican standoff, right? You know, 10 of us first, 20 of them, whatever. And they're like, and, you know, meanwhile, we're all, none of us has ever tried it, nothing. So we get kicked out in a heartbeat. Then said, we call the cops. Exactly. So now, <laughs> another training opportunity. <laughs> Ian yeah. So we bolt, go back to my buddies. We keep, obviously, I'm, but the blood has somewhat stopped now. Drink until four in the morning. Finally, I look at my buddy, you know, and I'm like, hey, Jay, dude, how do I look? <laughs> and he's like, dude, you're jacked up. He's like, bro, you need some stitches. Let's go back to the barracks. And we had one dude, Mike, who was there, who didn't go out with us. But, dude, his stitches sucked. I would watch him when he was doing so. It's like, we walk in, he opens, like he's like, oh, bro, yeah. horrible, dude, right? He, this doesn't look right. <laughs> one look at my head, and he says, I'll be right back with my suture kit. I look at Jay, I'm like, dude, let's go to the hospital. We go to the hospital. I walk in, Air Force Hospital, right? Finally, the doc comes out. I'm trying to be tough guy, frog man. I'm finally sober. You know, what's, what'd you do? Oh, we were wrestling in my buddy and i hit the corner of uh-huh. his table you know he's like sure sure he goes okay meanwhile the 18 year old e2 just walks in he goes looks at him he goes hey staple that dude up for me will you he staples me up marcus and he doesn't roll the scalp yeah, yeah. bro i had a skim flap that was almost five centimeters i had that for the rest of training the next six freefall. months oh dude i had to wear it in a helmet it was miserable so that's my vietnam story sorry Jesus. for the interruption a lot of good training opportunities in oh that's a 
Oh, on the job training, man. Yeah, That's right? how I learned how to do those stitches. I'd carry my truck everywhere, man. Just totally. kind of like, you know, always many, to stitch somebody up. How many eyes did eyes you stitch up? up. <laughs> i tell you what, man. Barbara, we were at, uh, I forget what Barbara were at, but, and I wasn't even out. They called me. They're like, hey, bring your bag. First they said, hey, come to the bar. Come out. We're all having a good time. I was like, nah, I'm tired, man. Like, nah, come out. Everyone's here. Uh, bring your med bag. All right, I will. For our audience, some of you need to know that our guys have a fascination with knives. A couple of them like to have them out and flip them open and twirl them and whatnot. And he flipped that spider co out, that blade, and it came out of his hand and went through his shoe and stuck in <laughs> through his foot into the floor. <laughs> so uh, I show up, man, and there's actually a, the group of girls they were hitting on. A couple of them were doctors. Yeah. And they were like, hey, you need to do this. So we co- I show up, man. We sit down in the bar, take some crown, clean the wound. <laughs> little baseball stitch and get on about my way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody's like, uh, what like, the? <laughs> doing this in the open? I'm like, oh, yeah. What else? What else? I love well, it. How good do you get it? How good do you get it? It, it given IVs just trying to rehydrate after being wasted. Oh, one, of the, one of the PJs. <laughs> right? Yeah, one right? of the PJs. Or giving yourself an IV. He would oh, give it to himself in his, in his SAF while he was drinking. So he'd be walking around the compound in his uh, PJ Sweetie shorts <laughs> yeah. with an IV in his SAF, <laughs> which is down by the ankle, yeah. and, and, a, and a six pack of Corona. And I walked out of my room one Sunday morning and he was passed out in the hall. It's not in a building, the hallway's yeah, yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just got those Sweetie shorts on. The IV bag was. Full, full of blood, blood. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and there was empty beer bottles he couldn't get into his room and he passed out with that IV open <laughs> backfield oh my god America's god. That was America's, America's finest yeah. America. absolutely right there bro. that's what your tax bill dollars are going for <laughs> right? alright what else you got man, oh man too sorry we had to throw that in your bio bud <laughs> <clears throat> alright so after this incredible uh, transition from Vietnam, his aunt marries uh, an SF soldier who um, helps to expedite paperwork and eventually him, his brother, his mother as well, uh, land themselves in the U.S. near uh, Bragg and, and Fayetteville. Um, his mother then eventually marries uh, an SF soldier who becomes a stepfather and probably, I mean, it seems like a, a big influence in his life. Um, as well as really kind of getting him interested, set on the path toward you know soldiering and and the military and whatnot, teaching him various skills, navigation, language. He mentioned uh, in an interview at uh, 18 years old, he initiates his military career. Um, he goes to infantry training at Benning, comes out of there as assigned to Alerp, uh, an amphibious assault unit. Decides to go to Ranger School, and then at 21, he just he wants to go through SF. Uh, SF training. He completes that. is assigned to first group Okinawa. He then he's assigned to a SIF team, uh, commanders in extremist force. He then is returns to Bragg at Usasak, and of course this is this is the height of all of our mm-hmm. involvement OEF OIF. He works with some select units there at the at the top, um, and he works for somewhere in eight eight fourteen years. It's a little hard to get the track on that. Right. We'll maybe get some details on him from that eventually moves on from the military but maintains this mindset uh this the ronin way that's right this expansion of the martial arts mentality and disciplines and all that he founds ronin tactics they uh makes um, sense though right i mean you get you what's what is a ronin it's a it's a warrior without a leader a master right yep. so right. stepped away from the 
military that's stepping away from your guard and walking the mm-hmm. path, the Ronin, right? Walking out and, and trying to expand on all the knowledge and everything you'd picked up from the. You're going to love this because you went through a lot yeah. of that stuff yeah, too yeah, with yeah. your, well, your guys. Yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, with Ronin, they have multiple. I mean, they do training. Um, they actually have a weapons line. Uh, they do. They have gears for you know, tack harnesses, belts, and, and whatnot with that. So that is a big successful uh, venture that he's been involved in. That really seems like his baby. You know, you check out all of you. You, you see this whole mindset uh, really he come lives. through. Yeah, really come through when you're you know when you're investigating his, his background, his involvement in that. One more point, uh, he's currently involved uh, with the History Channel on a show called Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, um, as an SM, as a subject matter expert regarding their edged weapons, because that's a big part of you know what he does in his training, is edged weapons. So, All right, what do you say, gents? Let's Stuck. get this guy on. It's going to be awesome. Silver wings upon the Marcus, man, I know you know that after that, me screaming the ballad of the Green Beret in the opening, after you know that I got up on my feet and I and I had my I was in the four-point stance, I was ready to jump into the breach of the ultimate warrior mindset. I knew you were ready. I knew you knew I was ready for our guest today. And this guy, I'm telling you what, brother, he brings with him the complete package of the warrior mindset he brings with him the complete package of discipline of zen of that zen state of mind but a zen that's covered in these wonderful beautiful scars of his warrior principles that he's ready to bring forth to the people that are need that are still on the front lines day in and day out bringing the fight to the enemy this is that guy brother it's a lot of people don't they they don't understand that when they hear about our communities, they think all the guys are the same. Like once you make it into the program of Green Ray, we're all kind of the Mark One motto. But there are the guys in there that, that stand dra- out. Yeah, that drag the us through the, right? the, the, the right. warrior path, the ones that walk that to kind of give you an idea in case you don't know how exactly it's supposed to be walked from birth on. So when you have one of those guys that have, has has walked that gauntlet, man, and, and, and continues to walk, it, right? Walk, right? It's a uh, it's truly a blessing. This is going to be a good one. Well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, Tulum, brother. Thank you for being here. Arkzimus, thank you for having me on, dude. I got to tell you, man, just been following you since you came out that you were on social media that i became aware of you you know with the one of the first you know another really intense guy that we've had on from your background we had pat mcnamara on and and pat is this wonderful ball of energy but yet at the the dichotomy of pat is that he likes bird watching right and he he's an <laughs> artist and he plays guitars and 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 then you know and Jim. then i <laughs> right right he plays drums and he does funny videos with wes whitlock from rogue and and you know and and then you know i found you and i was like my god he has all these different dynamic attributes that we all really felt would just be a tremendous benefit for our listeners. So, man, it's just so good to see your face there on Skype, brother. 
Thank you. Thanks, brother. I, I, I love it. Thank you for having me on. Cool, cool. All right. Now, before we jump into the meat and potatoes of this and we dig into your greatest never quit stories, you know, as as just a true master of the things that you teach, man, what we got to do, we got to get warmed up. We got to warm up that prefrontal cortex. We got to warm up those memory neuroplasticity. We got to warm up and and be prepared. Yeah, yeah, he's stretching out right now. <laughs> Literally stretching out. I love it. So what we're going to do, and you know this phrase better than anybody, we're going to go put you through the mad minute. So are you ready, brother? Yeah, let's do it, brother. All right, Marcus, fire away. All right, who's your favorite superhero? Batman. Because Batman doesn't have a superpower <sighs> besides his mind, right? So because he, he mastered a mind and mastered deception, unconventional warfare, it's got to be Batman. It, you know what? Anybody who cool. says Batman, well, any vet, any team guy or SF guy that we have, they always go into that description, right? It's like, because he doesn't have powers, but he's got a badass brain. But, uh, mm. Ben Affleck nailed it. He had the best lines. Like, what's your special power? Like, I'm rich. I'm rich. <laughs> so if you know if a team guy throws Batman out, and, and we, next thing, if he becomes a billionaire, stand by, right? Because there's going to be something coming down the pipe. I just want to be on the team. If you're yeah. starting the Justice League... <laughs> Well, uh, and we got the Space Force that's coming out, too, so I love it. All right, we'll talk about that later. Space Force. That's right. I forgot about that. All right, Wizard, fire away. All right, if you could pick a sidekick to accompany you through life, would you pick A, Chewbacca from Star Wars, B, Tonto with the Lone Ranger, C, George Costanza on Seinfeld, D, Watson with Sherlock Holmes, or Walter from The Big Lebowski? That's a lot of freaking choices. I, I, what was the first one? Chewbacca. <laughs> See, Chewbacca, you got to clean his shit up, right? Because all his fur <laughs> is falling away. You gotta, like, have, that would be a great seat. <laughs> yeah, or a lint brush around you because that's right? fucking all over you. So, oh, my God, dude. He sheds like a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would think. Tonto, man, because he made the Long Ranger. You know, he was always the smart one. You know, Long Ranger just wanted to gun people down. And Tonto, <laughs> like, you know, he's the master tracker. He knows the people. He knows the location. He knows the terrain. So Long Ranger, he wouldn't have been shit without the fucking the local. <laughs> I always thought he was cooler than the Lone Ranger. Myself. He was way cooler, right, dude? Yeah. Wait, the dude wore like a baby blue outfit right and then an ascot Tonto's looking at him over there going what an he was idiot. always clean <laughs> he was always clean right I mean, normally when i ride a horse just from the gate to here i'm filthy as hell he oh, never got yeah. dirty <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> awesome all right here we go if you had to pick who would win in a cage fight between bruce lee and chuck norris who would it be oh come on i'm asian so, you know, yeah. But you're also a Green Beret, and Chuck yeah. is the ultimate Delta guy. But Chuck Norris has those cheesy lines, you know what I mean? Just shoot the guy already. He has all these cheesy lines. He's always late on that movie, Delta Force. He was late on his bike all the time. You know, the guy couldn't be on time. So, <laughs> Bruce Lee. 
And I think because it, it already happened on film too. That's an easy. That's right. an easy one. Too. I just, if anybody asked me about the thrusters on the C one thirty, we all have those. Yeah. Every every C one thirty has the the, the boosters <laughs> of the dirt runway. <laughs> we gonna make it. Uh, we'll make it. <laughs> Don't you Where'd those come from? On motorcycles. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Hey, first time in the in the stand when we ran across you guys and y'all, we were like, you had to broke out the ATVs and the motorcycles. I thought they were gonna have rockets on them. <laughs> I, I was young, so I was, I was like, I know you guys got the rocket motorcycles, dude. No, <laughs> my my favorite was we went. Nineteenth group was next to us in Kanahar, and I can't went over their compound to you know to talk about some Intel stuff with them. And dude, they had a full blown jingle truck, but inside, like it was like a full, like they had a a weapon bunkered like over a thing in the like back. A Mission and, Impossible oh, truck. Bro, yeah. was that? But I was like. That's cool, man. <laughs> All right, Marcus. There, there's one thing about special operations, man. We got some cool toys. There's, right. there's oh, two, man. absolutely. The DPVs, dude. I drive those. I look, we look like Mad Max and shit. Yeah. yeah. The best best part about it, and it doesn't matter how long you're in. The best part about checking onto a new team, the gear issue. When you find out new gear <laughs> swags coming in, there's a line out the door, right? And you're just in your locker and be like, man, I know I got nine watches, but I need 15 of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marcus, fire away. All right, what was your first car? Oh, an El Camino. No (laughs) way. The Camino. Yeah, so, you know, my dad, you know, he's a a white, you know, special. I was adopted, and uh, he had these El Caminos, and I thought it looked like shit. You know, I'm trying to get the girls, you know, in high school. And um, it's half truck, half car. Mm. It's driving around. I got picked on. In high school, driving around the El Camino, and every time I, I lived in uh, Japan when I was first with the teams, and every time I came back, I had the El Camino that I had to drive around town in, and it was uh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I've seen some of those; they do them up right. The oh, 70s, bro! Couple of that them pinstriping, funky looking, with that the hard, gold leaf and sharp the nose and everything. Else. One of the so, baddest cars yeah. ever, dude. El Camino, the front looks like a car, the back looks like a truck. The front is where you drive, the back is where you, well, Camino. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was not, where'd you pull that out, bro? Man, the archives. You pulled that out. That didn't sound made up. That wasn't like a wizard statement at all. You see how he said it? Like he's been sitting on that. Swagger and shit, dude. You've been waiting to sell that, say that. (laughs) All right, wizard, fire away. All right, let's see. Uh, give us one or two. I mean, notice you have quotes all over Run Tactical stuff there. Give us one or two of your favorite quotes. Oh. Uh, a journey of a thousand miles began with the first step. Love that. Yep, very that cool. That was one of my favorite quotes. Um, know your enemy. Always know your enemy. Uh, I, I think the best quote that uh, that helped me out spiritually after the war was, you know, by Miyamoto Masashi. Uh, he, he says, do not, do not look for strength uh, outside of yourself. Everything is driven from within. All the energy, all the power, all the passion, all the love, everything is from within. And you mm. know what What really uh, was unique about that, that phrase was when I picked up the Book of Five Rings um, in the year 2013, he wrote in the year 1645 in a Buddhist cave. And when I read that, you know, because I was looking at strength exterior, right? I was looking for strength for my father. I was mm-hmm. looking at strength for my teammates, you know. And, and what I found was I wasn't looking for strength within, you know. So when I did, mm-hmm. that's when I became Ronin. That's when I, I, I started my next evolution. 
Wow. I, I had to read the book of Five Rings, too, when I was a young boy, and it does, man. It's impactful. And that, that quote where you just know yourself or know your enemy and then know yourself, and in a thousand battles, you'll never know defeat. That's uh, so one guy. Both those you said, uh, just well, to climb a mountain, you got to start at the bottom. I, you Let's know, start. I think that that answer is the perfect way for us to kind of pivot now. And, and thank you for, you know, humoring us with our, our mad minute. We, we love that the most, you know, but the, the real reason why our listeners are coming to this show too, is because they're in their own combat of life. They're on the battlefield. They're lost. They're, they don't know which way is the front line. They don't know which, which way to retreat. They don't, they don't, they're lost in this perception of, of, you know, really despair. And so we want to do this to try and help them at least spark, at least give them uh, something that triggers that, you know, intestinal fortitude to start moving in the right direction. So if you could, if you would, please, with for our listeners and for us too, would you please share your greatest never quit story or stories? Well, you know, we, as being on the teams, you guys know, you know, we have our, our struggles, you know, through selection, through, you know, being assessed, being on the teams, being assessed, you know, accepted on the team, uh, going through some of the rigorous training we go through and then in times of war, you know, those are, those are, you know, always a challenge, but that's just, that's our job. You know, that's what we do. That's what we're trained to do. That's what we, that's our chosen path. But if, if I was to say my never quit moment is my life, man. Wow. You know, my, my life was uh, it's a lesson, you know, and each evolution of my life has its own unique never quit stories. So, you know, I was I was born, you know, when I talked to you about, you know, the, the journey of a thousand miles began with one single step. Well, my first step was one in war. You wow. know, I was born. Mm-hmm. I was born in Saigon, uh, Vietnam, uh before the fall of Saigon. So I was born in December 74, Saigon fell in 75. The North Vietnamese came over. Um, and, you know, you guys know the doctrine, you know, any any uh, opposing government that's going to come in, uh, they're going to take out the leadership, they're going to take out the education, they're going to take out the officers. Well, my uh, my uncles were officers and they, um, they were imprisoned. And uh, my family's drug out in the streets, gunned down like animals. So we, we wow. escaped on a wooden boat, you know, and, and unique stories about this journey is that first we had to escape through like the pie tree that was going on around, you know, uh, Vietnam because everybody was leaving Vietnam. You know, think about Syria, everything's going on in Syria, the modern day. Everybody was trying to leave Vietnam, mm-hmm. but the neighboring countries didn't want to deal with the issues. They didn't want to deal with the North Vietnamese. Um, so we made our way by boat uh, past the pie tree. The pirates, what they would do, or the bandits, uh, very much like Somalia, they'll board the ships, um, kill everybody on board. That's a threat. Uh, take the belongings, kill the kids, rape wow. the women, kill the women, you know. So we somehow navigated past that, and we went into um, Malaysia, off the coast of Malaysia. The Coast Guard, the Malaysian Coast Guard stopped us and shot out our boats, and we're on like a wooden boat, like a one single fisherman boat, you know, wow. stuffed mm-hmm. by hundreds. And um, we, we came on the sh- uh, towards the coastline, the, uh, the Malaysian shot at us, they anchored us on, and then they, they had three boats that they anchored on. So you imagine all these refugees are trying to escape Vietnam, 
and um, they pulled us back out of the ocean. The two boats that they anchor on on the outside, we were the center boat. The two boats kind of collapsed. They came in. So, you know, hundreds died um, during that wow. initial pull. They cut those lines and they drug our boat to uh, deeper into the ocean, shot our engine, cut the line and left us there to die. And uh, my mother wow. said, you know, we, we you know we drifted. People started dying. Um, they started to throw dead bodies over the, the, um, the ocean. She's saying, that, you know, it, it was really, truly, guys, you know, you think about, you know, our SEER training that we go through. It's seriously, seriously a, a survival moment. You know, they ran out of water. Somehow they, they got caught up in the storm and um, it, 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 washed, it washed our boat deeper into the uh, Pacific Ocean. And somehow we went into uh, Russian-owned waters, right? And then a Russian supply boat passed us, and they uh, they picked us up. And I think the unique story behind this was, and of course, I can't remember everything that's going on. I was so young. But the story stuck with me when I was growing up, you know? And what I, I realized was that the same ideology, the same people that took me out of my country, the communists, Right, they took us out of our country. It was the same people that saved me. Wow! Right, and, and gave me a second chance. So, hmm. at a young age, I realized the the lesson of humanity, you know, and that 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 echoed through my whole life as a Green Beret. But yeah, we escaped uh, on a wooden boat. They the, the Russians brought us on a boat, took us to the docks in uh, Indonesia, where we stayed at a refugee camp ran by monks, and. Wow. Uh, yeah, my, my aunt married a American Special Forces lieutenant, the Green Beret, and, you know, he was able to expedite the paperwork uh, to get us over to the United States, which I, I was raised in North Carolina. I was raised in Fayetteville, right, right outside. Ooh, Fort Vietnam, right? man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Vietnam went to Vietnam. Huh? That was back in Vietnam. <laughs> That's a transition. Holy days, uh, cow. Brag. But so that's that was my first never quit, you know, never quit survival, you know. Um, but my second never quit was being raised in, in Fayetteville. Because, you know, you, you think about like when I tell people about racism, people, you know, kind of roll their eyes, but they didn't deal with it, man. You know, they didn't deal with the harsh realities of racism because I arrived in the United States hmm. post Vietnam in the biggest yeah. military base in wow. America, in the United oh States, right? the biggest military base. So I was raised around that that uh, mindset of you're a fucking commie bastard, right? Which they don't understand that it was the communists that, that did more to me than they would ever do to these Americans. They, they ripped my family apart. They, they tore them. They took my freedom, you know? And right. here I am being harassed by these um, these kids calling me uh, Charlie, you know, calling me communists and, and, and stuff like that. So I was raised around that atmosphere, you know, but my father was an American Green Beret. And uh, he taught me, you know, discipline. You know, he taught me a lot of that stuff. So when I was eight years old, I was running around the backwoods in North Carolina, navigating the stars. I was speaking different languages. I was learning how to take apart weapons. And I was trained to be a Green Beret. He didn't mean to. But he, he that you was know, his he life. Was, yeah. yeah. How, so, can, I, can I ask a quick question? How did your mom meet him? And can you describe that? And what was that like? All of a sudden now you're in this military base. You're, you know, you are you're struggling with the racism of these these dumb kids. 
And then all of a sudden now you have a, a your first dad is this warrior guy. You know, what was that like? And how did it happen? It was it was very hard, man. Like you know, and and when I was growing up, I kind of didn't see the teachings. You know, I didn't understand because you know you're a little kid. You know, you're eight years old. But I woke up to Battle of the Green Beret every morning, huh. and I uh, we had a, a flagpole. I knew that's why I sing this before every time. We it was just for this show. I'm telling you, sorry, I get fired up over it because I am yeah. one. I am partially Green Beret. I am an 18 Delta, so I do. We Marcus and I have a particular love for you. Yeah, right? we're bastards. Oh, love for the seals. Yeah, <laughs> we're the stepchildren. Yeah, we are. <laughs> But yeah, I, I was raised and raising the flag, putting my hand over my heart. I was raised singing Ballad of the Green Beret. Um, we could not wear blue jeans to school. I had to wear slacks. Uh, all of my homework had to be typed. He was very uh, strict, very strict. My mother, on the other hand, was very traditional. You know, she she was. I would say that she's my strength. Wow. Right. Because there was one moment when I was eight years old. I was coming home from one of my friends' home. Right. And um, she was driving. And there was this white guy pulled up. He was redneck. And he, uh, he, you know, he made the slanty eyes at her. You know, he honked the horn, made the slanty eyes. A real racist. Yep. You know, she drove him off the road. Like she, she almost hit him. She almost- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, what's funny is, you know, she can't curse because she's half uh, Vietnamese. So her, her cursing is like, you, uh, you fuck her mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Missing the nuance. She reversed the cursing. Like, oh my god, mother bitch, you mother bitch. (laughs) I called that one before. Awesome. (laughs) Now, one, one. I want to before we keep going on this storyline. You, you said your mom was very traditional. Was she teaching you that tradition while your stepfather was teaching? You know, unwittingly. I mean, obviously, I know if I were to have a boy, subconsciously, I'm always. I would. Well, why won't he be a seal or a green beret or some? But uh, you know, your your mother wasn't imagining that. She was just trying to instill. Did she? Let me. I'm sorry. I'm struggling with this. Did she try and anchor your Vietnamese heritage in you? all the time as well, even though you were feeling the pressures from the external Americanized That's a good question. world. So I, you know, I try to be Westernized, you know, I, I, uh, I try to fit in at a lot of times when I was in school. Um, my, my name wasn't the same. I didn't look the same. You know, we didn't come from money. We, we were kind of poor, um, you know, being in the army, my dad, you know, he didn't make that much money. So, you know, we got picked on by the rich kids. But my mom always taught me the Bushido way, you know, the essence of uh, Budo, which is the art, the art of war, even though she didn't know. You know, like I, I would go to the temples and, uh, and pray to my ancestors for honor and, and strength. And I'd still do it to this day. Every time I come home, I would go to the temples and, and pray to my ancestors for honor and strength and, wow. and give vision. You know, so in, in that heritage, yeah, you know, she, she raised me with the Bushido, the, the ethics. My father gave me the skill. You know, my father gave me the vision, the skill, the hands, you know, to, to wield a weapon. But it was my mother who, who gave me the discipline. Very cool. All right. When was the, the moment for you where it was like, I know you, from a very early age, you, you probably, I've read some in a inter- couple of interviews with you and you, you know, you, you knew you always, your trajectory was into the military for sure. 
But what was it like? When was what was it like in the moment where you're like, I'm going to Meps, I'm going to the recruiter, I'm signing the contract, you know? And and I know there wasn't really an X-ray program back then. So can you describe that for you as it related to your world in that moment in, in age and in time? Well, you know, during the um, the, the early eighties. Um, you know, we we're fighting the drug wars. You know, the special ops guys were, were going to South America, Central America, fighting the drug wars. So my dad uh, went to El Salvador, and he, wow. he was uh, fighting those drug wars over there. And I remember him leaving, coming back. He never told me what he was doing. Special ops was truly special ops. Special <laughs> ops. It was hard to get any information out of my dad, out of anybody. Uh, there was a neighbor. Uh, his name was Joe Lupiak. He was a Sante Raider. Wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah, he cool. was part of the blue boy element. Hmm. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing. My uncle, remember I told you my uncle to expedited the paperwork hmm. to get us over. He was a an officer with the special forces as well. So as my dad was gone, I was getting um, life lessons from these legends in the community. I grew up to that. You know, I grew up to these these guys that, that influence our history in, in special forces. Wow. Uh, I knew, I, I would say I knew at 12 years old, my destiny, because okay. um, I was being picked on all the time. Uh, I knew my past because my mother won't let me forget it. You know, she, she, she always talked about the struggles um, and I wanted to make an impact on this world. I wanted to be the force that went overseas and protected the innocent, the, the, the people that were me. Right. You know, the that didn't have hope. I wanted to go overseas in these villages all around the world and help because my father was doing that in, in, in Central America. Wow. Now, what I, I love so much is are the stories like you two who people that come from the other places that join special operations because they understand the, the depths of which our cultures are built upon, right? That we do assimilate all cultures effectively into the mindset that is at the tip of the spear. And we're open. I remember, you know, I, I, you know, being around guys from all different walks of life. And for me, that was the greatest blessing because I could openly learn from different cultures and, and, you know, be able to consume that in order to become a better frogman. So it's, it's really a, I, I love that aspect about us. That's what, why we're so hard to beat, man. Americans we're mutts. We're made up of everybody. For sure. When you're standing across from us, man, you don't see one color or one height or weight or anything like that, man. We're made up of everybody. Oh, and, and I believe that they're the best at it. I mean, you guys, the Green Berets, that is the essence of who you are as a force, right, is to assimilate into those cultures and to develop the hearts and minds and the, you know, the intel networks and really, really utilize those indigenous fighting forces. What was it like the day you went into the service did all of the all of the racism end in your mind were you now on your tr this this deeper truer path did you feel a sense of relief or were was it just like wow this is huge it was huge you know like it you know i was um uh, i was academically gifted you know like being any asian <laughs> not here My not me. <laughs> my my brother, you know, he he was raised the same way as me. You know, put his hand over his, his heart, raised with the flag. Um, I, I do want to tell you this story though before I get into this. Is my father installed the no quit 
mindset at a very young age. Mm -hmm. We had a lake that was two miles away from our home. And I, you have to run through the backwoods of, you know, Fort Bragg to get to this, this lake. And he would make us take off our T-shirt at the two-mile point, dip our T-shirt in, and then run back. So he knows that we went to the lake, right? <laughs> My brother would try to bribe me all the time and say – you know, because I was a good runner back then. He was like, take my T-shirt, fucking get in there, I'm done. <laughs> and um, yeah. I remember my dad, man, you know, he always talked about, you know, you if you want something out of life, you have to give 110%. And life won't always come easy, you know. And this little two-mile run is just a snapshot of who you are. It's going to give you, you a I am as an individual, as a person. Right. So at 18 years old, my mother, you, you got her mindset is, you know, she got everything taken away from her during war. Right. Everything was right. from her. Her family was murdered. Everything was ripped away from her. her. Her brothers are in prison. So she never wanted this life for her. She never wanted me to go to war. She never wanted me to she, she escape Vietnam so I could have a better life. But I chose you know, my path. To help others, you know, and I knew that this is the way. And um, I remember going to Raleigh Mips, signing up. Um, my GT was 130, so they were like, hey, you can have any job you want. What do you want? I'm like, I want, you. I want to jump out of airplanes. And, be and they're like, oh, okay. Um, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be an airborne ranger, right? But I signed the LURPS contract. Remember the LURPS guys? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was my first assignment. I was uh, part of an amphibious um, LURS team, and I went to the Marine Amphibious uh, Reconnaissance Course store for, uh, store, uh, Fort Story, Virginia. Fort Story, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. And then um, I, I made my way during LURS, but I wanted more. You know, I wanted to do more than just lay underneath the ground and report intel, which was great. You know, it got my communications, I understand satellites, and I understand a lot of that, that stuff at a very young age. So when I went to the special forces, I got to the teams at 21. Wow. Uh, I was, I was the youngest on the team, you know, back then it was no SF baby. Yep. And, um, when I made that it start? out. 2000s, some SF babies. I was 2000. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I did, I did my minimum time on the nurse and then I went over to the special forces and my mother hated it every step of the way, man. You know, uh, quick question though. Quick question. It's also, I mean, yes, she she had this one component, this this complete fear of war and what it can do to a family, what it can do to you know everything, how destructive it is. But she also attached herself to to war by marrying your your stepfather, and then as well as you know being in the culture, living in in Fort Bragg, and you know obviously she somewhat supported the evolution. Did you see a shift in her when you finally put on the green beret? No. <laughs> no, she, just she hated the more, the more elite I got within the, uh, the military, the more she hated it. Not that she understood what the hell, you know, it meant, you know, in certain units, but she, yeah, she, she did not like that. I was going to war. She did not like that. I was gone. For so long without communications with the family, you know, because you know sometimes you travel. What mother you're, does? You're working different jobs where you can't call home. Yeah. You know? So um, that was the only time I ever 
I, didn't, I, don't, I hate saying lie to your mother, but <clears throat> I was saying, Mama, I didn't, when I'd call home, she's like, what are you doing? Is it dangerous? I was like, no, nah, I'm typing on the computer, just, just doing some PowerPoint stuff. And then the first time I wound up in the hospital, she's like, you can't get her typing in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, Mom, I was always training people. Mom, I'm training yeah, people, right? All right. So, you know, as now you're in, you're, you're, you're part of of special forces and obviously you're you know it's said i'd read that you'd worked in in some other places in southeast asia and but you knew man the the real fight is going on on iraq and afghanistan as your development your focus kept pulling you closer towards that you know the, the intensity of with which war was happening in those regions where were you at in the development of your code of the Bushido mindset? Was it a very focused thing like it is now, or was it, were you still entrenched in the evolving culture of the Green Beret mindset, the Green Beret mission? You know, you think about back to the teachings of Miyamoto Masashi, you know, the book of five rings, you think about this teachings, you know, he, he breaks it down to the element of earth, right? The element of earth and ground is to ground yourself in the teachings. So that's the luxury. That's that's the teams. That's yep. us training in the teams. But there was one time when I was consumed with fire. Wow. You know, I think that we all had that at one time. Hate. Yep. You know, to meet our enemies on the battlefield without fear. That's that's the teachings. But I I got to the point where I lost myself in in the element of fire because I hated so much. You know, so when I was home, there was no balance. There was no balance with the family. I wanted to hone my skills and I wanted to be the most lethal person that I can train myself to be, you know, through mind, body and spirit. Mm -hmm. And what I found was after 14 years of it, um, it caught up with me. Wow. You know, so I, I, I had to find my balance, which is in the teachings of uh, Masashi. He talks about water. You know, and Bruce Lee talks about water, you know, right. but didn't understand that into, you know, when I retired because I had to find my peace, you know, and to find your peace, you have to look at things differently. A Amen. Know? We we recently had Jose Sanchez on. He's a Marine that, you know, it, wonderful guy, amazing fire. But he was really the first person that came on and talked about that hatred, talked about that anger as this blackness that tore him apart and really, really blinded his ability to see into the void, right? And I know one of the books is talks about the book of void and the book of that Zen principle. Can you describe what you did in, in that transitional process after, you know, 14 years of really being at the tip. I mean, really doing the mission that that was the mission in everybody's eyes. What was the void like for you and the recognition? Like, man, I've got to get this out. And what was your starting point? What was that first step in that step of the thousands for you? Well, you know, all of us lost teammates. We, we lost our friends. You know, there was times where I would sit down at dinner and and have a conversation and i'm more focused on the mission than having the conversation with my friend not not knowing that that would be our last conversation wow you know if i knew so those became voids in me you know moments that i could not have back conversations that i could not have back with my brother 
you know? Um, so through, through loss and war and hate, um, I, I had a, a big void. I had an emptiness in me that I didn't realize. And the void uh, transcended out to hatred in, in, in myself and in, in others, you know. And what I found was um, in the teaching of uh, Misashi and in, in the teachings of Budo and Bushido, the void is a, an, a, an emptiness. And you have to approach that emptiness with empty eyes. That means that, you know, we, we all been on the teams, so we have a certain discipline. We have a certain mindset, right? And my mindset was fire. And I had to approach the void with a new mindset, and empty eyes, right? Mm -hmm. So I let go of the hate. I meditated. Uh, I got off, off the prescription drugs that, you know, um, was prescribed to me. And you, you know, on the teams, we get hurt all the time. And um, the, the medical practice back then was to give you as much painkillers to put you on the fucking battlefield. Because oh. <laughs> yeah, they need you to be on the battlefield. Period. So they care about your health, your mental state. So they're giving you all these band-aids, right? And uh, I performed well in the battlefield. I just could not perform well in peace. And um, I realized that I had to find my peace again. And I need to approach this void with a new mindset. And that's how I did it. And all right. And what I, I mean, this is really powerful moment for me. And, and the three of us talk about that now very much, you know, in particular Marcus and I, cause we're no longer attached to any of it at all. And, and, you know, we, we joke about being podcasters, but part of our, you know, progression towards that piece has been, to find the peace that we feel within ourselves. When we get the emails from people talk, telling us, Hey man, your show saved my life. Like last year alone, we got eight me emails that people said they were committing suicide when somehow they found the show. So I, I think for us that translates into, okay, the path we're on, what we're doing, although 180 degrees different physically in that emotional state we're still on a similar path of servitude but it's just through a different through a different visionary process can you describe what you did specifically to start looking at the world with empty eyes to start the process of servitude without having to be on the front line it's in our DNA. You know, that's that's what we do. That's you know, so I I felt disconnected to the teams when I first came out because I'm no longer part of the teams anymore. You know, I moved on to the Medics Evolution. But I have to be well. I have to find find my serenity. And how I found my serenity, like past warriors, samurais, um, was, you know, in their in their youth, you know, they're 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 grounded in earth, right? And the teachings of war and Budo. And then when you get to the teams, you know, you, you prove yourself on the teams and then finally you go to war, you get that experience. Well, this is where the path, this is where the path goes to the intersection for, for the warriors is, do you continue to walk down that path? My path in, in this evolution is to be a writer, to be a educator, you know, to teach others uh, my experience. And that's, that's truly the way, you know, you know, if you study the way in a martial art, that's truly the way. Boo, do means the art of war it's it means the study of warfare boom means intercepting the spear do means taking your life experience and giving back wow so 
in the process of Budo, in the process of studying war, um, when I got out, I started writing a lot. I, I started breaking out some of the journals that I wrote during my, my war years about loss. And, and I started sharing my thoughts online. You know, that's where you see, you know, the uh, the Instagram and, you know, and stuff like that, because that is my modern day communications, you know, like samurais in the past, they will write in their journals and their books. My my path is to share my knowledge and my experience with others and hopefully like you guys help, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the people that are in need. So I found my my spirituality by helping others, by sharing my deep rooted thoughts and my philosophies um, and also my lethality. You know, I, I travel around the United States. I teach what I perceive as the good in this world uh, to protect the innocent, right? And that brings me my my serenity in my life right now. Wow. It's hard for a lot of guys to make that transition, and it's I, I think it's important. When, when you start at that young of an age, when, you're, when your path is kind of, or it's not laid out because you're making your path as you go, and you, when you walk that dark side, I think some of the problems we have is we train so hard and then we fight so hard, but then when we have our time off, we're still training or you're looking into something to make yourself better. And as you walk that dark sided path, always remember in the, on the other side of your head, if you make it to the, to the next point, it's supposed to be complete peace. So you need to focus on that as well and not get just, it's not, it's hard. It's not hard. It's, it's easy to get engulfed in that way of life and let it consume you throughout your entire life. When you step away from it, mm, you completely point. step away from it. I mean, I write too, and we work in the garden and cut cut the lawn and stuff like that. And it's just the 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 memory of what it was is is what you're at, you're thinking about while you're out there cutting the grass or something. Well, uh, it's funny because I I when I'm sitting here looking at you know three incredibly accomplished warriors in my you know that I know and I'm meeting you now. And I hear these stories about peace and, you know, for Marcus, he gets out on that mower, man. He works in the yard. He, he does that. And you can see the peace. Like, you know, I go out and laugh at him, but in my heart, I'm saying, my God, he's peaceful. And, and when I'm out speaking, I can't even tell you how many times people come up to me. They're like, Hey, Rut, what is, is Marcus really intense? Is he like, I'm like, no, dude, he's one of the funniest peaceful guys I've ever met in my life. And, and, and the wizard, you know, he, he just built this beautiful table. Like he built this wooden table and he sanded it and he posted that. And you said, so before we started, you know, you're really a quiet person. You know, you, you know, you know, I watch your videos too with, you know, your knife train. I'm like, damn, that's awesome. Right? But you're telling me that you meditate and you sit in your own mind and you have peace. And, and I think people, I think a lot of times people misconstrue, you know, the path that they have to be in the warrior mind in the fire all the time. But you know, the fire of life gives you enough of that too. How would you suggest that people find that peaceful path? What should they do to, you know, give themselves some space to see the, their life with that blind eye? With too much of something is, is too much, you know, when, when you have, you know, like yin and yang, you know, you have to balance, you know, the, 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 the fire and the water, you have to balance those things. And mm-hmm. for me, it's about living in the current moment is the state of Zen. You know, I, this stage in my life, I have a Zen mind because, you know, you think about the past and, 
if you live in the past, which I'm, I'm sure you've seen teen guys live in the past, right? All the time. They live in the past where they think about, oh, I was this, I was this, I, you know, I, I was badass, whatever. That's living in the past. And then some guys think about, oh, what do I need to do to get rich and this and that? How can I be successful? <laughs> well, that's living in the future. See, because for me, it's about living in the current moment. Because when the future becomes the current, you know, that when the future does reach you, that's the current moment. Right. So I live in true, you know, here and now. You know, I, I'm no longer worried about my past. I'm no longer about worried about things that I can't change in the future. You know, I worry about my serenity and who I am today and what can I do today to make myself a better person. And usually that that affects others. If if I walk a path in my life right now and I say, hey, I want to help others. Right. That brings me serenity, but it also brings help to others. And that was my path anyways. And even in my military career, it's just a next evolution of it. Wow. That downstairs is that pillow that sits on that chair. It's. Now, all right. the quotes I've read throughout my life and, and stuff that's motivated me, this one downstairs, man, is stuck in my head harder than anything. And it, it goes something that says, uh, there's an old Cherokee chief, and he's talking to his grandson. He's like, grandson, there's a, there's a battle between two wolves that lives inside of you. All right, one is evil. It's uh, anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, ego. And the other one is good. It's joy and peace and love and humility and kindness, empathy and truth. And, and the boy says, well, how do you know which one wins, grandfather? He's like, the one you feed. And throughout our lives, we feed both of those. Sometimes you're going to have to walk and be the man that you're not to become the man that you are. And if, I mean, some people just feed the, the evil wolf their entire lives and they ground out. And some people just feed the good one. If you feed both of them throughout your life, it gives you a balance. You understand both sides of that realm, right? So that's where the peace comes from. I mean, I'm working out in the garden and nothing can hurt me out there, but I know if something comes down the pipe, I can take care of myself and my family. And that level of uh, confidence creates that level of peace. And it's, it's, it's not cockiness or anything like that. We've just been through it. We've walked that way our entire life. There is no stepping outside of it. Once you, once you decide to be, to walk the Bushido and walk that path, man, you know, in the back of your head, even when you're young and we're out there stomping down on the ground out in the war, you know, if we make it through this at the end of it, I'm going to be somewhere in complete peace, sitting around some water and writing some, writing something down. Deep in a thoughts book. Yeah, by Marcus just thinking about it. <laughs> so That's kind of the whole thing you're pushing for. I want to be as crazy and going as hard in the paint as I can right now because I'm going to take it real easy when I get older. And then when they say after you sit there and, and you do that and you, you go, you walk back through your your past and your mind while you're cultivating your garden, when the teacher's ready, the student will appear. So then it's time to pass it down. And that's kind of the, the next level. You know, when I, when I pick up a weapon, when I pick up a gun, you know, it, it brings me back to that current moment. It brings me to that serenity. People are like, why are you always training for war? Why are you? Because it's natural for me. I've been trained since I was eight years old. Right. So it's a natural movement that brings me to my current moment when I will that blade, when I pull that gun and I have concentrated those fundamentals. I have to be in the current moment. My mind can't be floating somewhere else. So it brings me to the state of Zen. So so that's why I still practice the arts, because it's very much a part of me. And it brings me back to that current. Like you, Marcus, you know, you go out to the garden, you know, it brings you your serenity, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Your body tells you that. I mean, we, the, the extensions of our hands as we grow up and they tell you, you know, you're, this is not a weapon. It's a tool. It's an extension that we're going to strap onto you. So if it's a pistol, a blade, whatever it is, we're the mechanism. And it's just an extension of us. And as you progress through the ranks and, and 
different things are put into your hand and you know how to operate it with success and efficiency, man, it, it hones in to the next step. And as you progress through through life, man, the accomplishments that you have on, on both sides of that, the warfighter and the, the peacemaker, or is um, man, it just it bonds it tighter than if you skip one of those steps. Mm-hmm. One of the things sure. that I think a lot of people struggle with is is finding a code, right, to live by, especially civilians out there, because culturally things have become so diffused, right, that they're they're not they're they're really kind of breaking down the essence of and the power of codes within as a framework for guiding in particular our children and within our society, all these different things. So to could, what, what in your mind is a great place for, for our listeners to where should they begin looking to try and establish a code for themselves? Unfortunately, where America is going, you know, with the media, with the, with the sports and, you know, we're, we, we don't have really good role models anymore. You know, we, we have all these guys that are so opinionated, but they're opinionated about things that they're not willing to fucking pick up that gun and go and fucking serve their country. <laughs> right. They're opinionated about things that they have no influence. Like, you know, I hear all oh, these cops are okay. Then why don't you get on the front line and hold that line? Why don't you go overseas and defend our God and country? If you're so opinionated, Right. So a lot of these guys that we grew up to now, they're they're kind of they're mm. destroying our country and they're in their, their mental state, you know, like a uh, bad mouth on our country, you know, uh, trying to take away certain amendments that we we fought mm. for, not them, that we fucking fought for. And um, so I think that that's that's the big thing is you need to have a good positive role model. My role models were the special forces Sante Raiders and you know the you know Mac V Saw guys. Those are the guys I grew up to. And I think like, you know, with society right now, I mean what? Keeping up with the Kardashians? I mean what what are we looking at on TV <laughs> these days? <laughs> so right. I, I would say pick a better role model and then expire to be great and not be the drama that America seems like it's it's promoting these days. One of the questions I get asked a lot, because in, in, in some of the, the stuff I teach, I, I'd say mentors play a massive role in our lives. And it's funny when I go out and talk, you know, I ask, I'll go into the crowd and I'll say, how many mentors do you have? And I'll, oh, I've got two. It's, it's my dad and my uncle, or it's my mom. And the, all right, non-family member mentors, how many do you have? And the overwhelming majority is none. I mean, they might have a someone that they want to be within their business, you know, mindset potentially, but ex- externally in the development of the body, mind, and the spirit. How do people pick good mentors? I get this asked all the time. In your opinion, what do you need to look for in a great mentor? His ethics, you know, his values, his his uh, vision on life. You know, because it's it's truly our ethics that, that got us down the path, right? It was our chosen core values is what, you know, we put our our comforts aside, right, to walk down this warrior's path. So it's it's truly you have to look at the ethics, right, of, of the person. Look at why they're doing what they're doing. So that's what I look for, the soul of a person. It's well, fun. let's 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 get specific on that question. I'd, I'd like to hear, you know, if you had the opportunity, well, you do have the opportunity 
Let's have a couple examples of who people should specifically look at. You have, uh, for, let's hypothetically say, a, a 13, 15-year-old boy, girl. Who are you going to direct them, in your opinion? Go check them out. Look at this. Hopefully, this will catch on. Hopefully, this will ring true to you. Influence. Well, by like a teacher, you know, I'm a teacher now in my, 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 this current evolution. And I try to lead by example, like everything we're taught in the military, we lead by example, we show others, you know, who you are and, and, you know, and the passion and the love that you have. Right. And then if they, they have to choose to walk their own path, I can only show them, you know, what, what I believe in my core values are and i could point towards my friends my teammates and seals whatever i could point towards those higher levels but it's truly up mm-hmm. to them you know i can only for me is i can only show you by leading by example right and then from there it's on you right. you have takes awesome um all right before we wrap up here you know one of the things uh, we always ask guests are to leave a couple like igniters, right? Something that can trigger that fire in the gut, some type of mind, some idea or a list of three things or whatever it might be. What could you share based on your daily routine based? You've talked a lot about your life mindset and the way in the path. What are some, you know, some core or a core idea that our listener, when they when they come off this 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 show, that they say to themselves, "Today I'm going to have this to get me going down that never quit mindset." Well, let, let's let's paint this picture first, so I I could talk about. So, you know, we we have a Japanese culture, the sakura, which is the Japanese uh, cherry blossom. You know, this is a seasonal flower that blooms and. And the warrior, in the warrior class, we look at the Sakura as life itself. Beautiful, but short-lived, right? So, you know, I, I'm sure we can all say this. We've been there at the passing of some of our teammates. I've I seen it. So I saw the beauty of Sakura. I've seen, I seen the passing of that flower, that symbol of life, you know, as, as you know, he left this world. And so that, that symbol means a lot to me. You know, it has personal deep meaning to me. So yeah, sure. if you, you, you paint that picture. And now I'm going to put this, um, this mindset on you is that you only have one life and it's very short lived. Okay. You can make it as beautiful as you want or you can make it as less significant as you want. But when we're all old men and dying of our old age, did you live a life? Did you live a life of higher purpose? Did you make an impact in this world, you know, on your generation, did you did you help make this world a better place? And you know, that's the question I, I ask myself every day: is even though I'm in this current moment, what can I do to make myself better as a warrior, to complete my journey of a thousand miles, and also how can I influence others to be better, you know, better Americans, better people, you know? And I find that through my teachings. So. What I, I to answer your question is truly you have to look at your life and look at what what you always want to accomplish and never let anybody stop you from that, right? Because it's short lived. Life is short lived, like Sakura. Amen. Well, geez, I mean, brother, 
I, I'm telling you, I, I, I just, you, you definitely didn't let us down. That's all some very incredible, heavy stuff that will definitely help our listeners. Where can people go to follow you, hire you, learn from you, start t- reading about your teacher teachings, and then also what's next for you? Oh, wow. What's next is, uh, you know, we picked up that um, History Channel show. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, congratulations. So, yeah, it did very well the first season. We uh, we were ranked number two in the History Channel. So very happy with that. So I'm very happy to work with Bill Goldberg again. Uh, this All right. So where can people follow you? But more importantly, where can people start learning about what you're teaching? I think, too, you have some incredible information that will help just anybody that, that checks into it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, so I'm on social media at uh, Instagram, Ronin Tactics. You'll see a red dragon. And uh, I'm on Facebook under Ronin Tactics. You'll see a red dragon. That's the war dragon. Right. Um, and then uh, you can catch me at www.ronintactics.com for our gear and our training schedule and our travels. Outstanding, man. I, I just, uh, I'm, I, it's, it, again, it is such a blessing to be able to have a man of your experience and wisdom and the breadth of your mm-hmm. never quit life story is in my opinion, one of the best we've had, all right. you know, and, and we just can't uh, thank you enough. Like have him out here so we can just sit around all day and. Oh, dude, let's let's bring him back on. But right, in person, yeah, yeah. what are you thinking where, about? Where are, you guys, where are you guys out of? Where in Texas? Outside of uh, Houston. I'll be in Dallas in um, November teaching their SWAT guys. But uh, definitely we're making it to Houston. So um, later on next, like oh, early man. next you, year. You come down so and I'll teach the guys down I'll there. On my schedule. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. We'll, we'll meet you down there. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. All right, brother. Thank you so much. All the blessings in the world to you and your pathway to peace and, and harmony and, and what you're teaching. I think it's just uh, such a privilege to have you on. God bless you. And thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. But, you know, I, I, I've been looking at your podcast. You guys are definitely making an impact. Thank you for for, for showing the way to our veterans and helping other people through their, their hard times, man. That's that's a higher purpose, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate one team, you, one fight. Yeah. One Thanks, brother. All right, arigato. Arigato. Brother, seriously, I mean, you listen to that cat, Marcus, talk about the Book of Five Rings, talk about the Art of War, talk about Bushido, talk about the codes. He's not full of shit, dude. Oh, huh? You know what I mean? that one. Bro, we watch mm. those f- fake kung fu dudes in the videos all the time when we're out here, all the people that are full of it, all the those sensei idiot, m- that dude is seriously a Ronin warrior. Yeah, yeah, every now and again, you will run into somebody who um, who actually is the real McCoy. embodiment of all <laughs> the lies we, you hear from all the, the phonies that's, and everything like that, the, the, right? the great stories they come up with. There are, there are guys in our community that actually live out every one of those. <laughs> Isn't that a <laughs> trip? You, I yeah. know. And the, um, being born is December 74, right, you know, right before. That's the, in the, Saigon. That, uh, he kind of jumped through that whole part about being out in the middle of the ocean and someone shooting out the engine and leaving him. That's kind of a big deal, being stranded out in the middle of a drink, you know. To and then, die right? after And his... then the Russians pick you up, and it's 
what he said about one communist tried to kill him, one tried to save him. That's, yeah. And that duality, interesting. The duality of man is just. Well, here, here's what <laughs> sometimes also. Sometimes it's, it's mind boggling. It, 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 here's also what's going on, right, Wizard, is here, here's a guy that was, you know, the special operations in particular, Green Berets, had a major role in Vietnam. And we're still operating in in those areas during that time, right? Through Mac V SOG, through uh-huh. some of the other programs. And all of a sudden he comes out of that and goes right back in. I mean, I think for me, that's what, like you said, Marcus, you can't make that story up. That's a true thing. And so the, the impact mm-hmm. that it has on his mom is profound. And, and I, and I love the way he still carried that. Well, his mother him. implemented the old ways into the new warrior status, which was what his dad was. Yep. So you're talking about an old Bushido way. With modern day tactics, that's what the, the Green Berets and the, those the way they train and fight is just like the Warriors back in the day, carrying that path for as long as he has, and, and now passing it down. That's the great thing about it. A lot of people get they get so self indulgent they don't think about passing that stuff down, which is the whole reason why you learn anyway, so you can hmm. you know, pass it down to the next person. Well, we see right. it a lot. Go ahead, sorry. No, I just wanted to say that, um, and I never got didn't get the opportunity to ask this question when we were going. But he is such an interesting counterpoint to the whole topic of, particularly in Europe, there are many examples of the vulnerability of second-generation immigrants to terrorism, right? The similarities there are very interesting in how he also suffered many of the... Atrocities. Well, not necessarily atrocities, but the ethnic discriminations, the racism, the... You're different because we fought oh, you here. or are fighting here, you. Yeah. He went through that here. Wow. But Good point. He went the diametrically opposed direction of a show, right? fighting for his new home country as opposed to uh, what you see in these examples of becoming um, the fodder, fodder for t- um, you know, Muslim extremists. To be sent out into well, he could easily get eaten, activities, yeah, eaten up with that hate, and you get exactly. put in those situations so what right throughout your life, and and it's easy to get consumed by that hate. I mean, eat all that up and think that this is oh, I was dealt this hand. This is what I got to play. Well, man, not really. You can play that hand as long as you want, or you can fold, or you can and wait and play the next one. Good point. Here he is coming out of war, goes in, is completely you know abused for being different, but he had the grounding. Right when he talks about the grounding of Earth, was his stepfather. In the fact that imagine if they didn't live in Fort Bragg, she didn't marry mm-hmm. a Green Bray. They lived in Oklahoma or they lived in California. Right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if he moved to San Francisco, she married someone else, and he didn't have that grounding, that mentor, that critical component I think of it's influence. That mentorship and that his that mom kind of laid out his as way. a young young person. Yep. His, his, his path, be, right? his way. I mean, Bragg says right there on the sign, home of the Green Berets. I mean, you talk about getting dunked, dropped right into the middle of the, I just the, the word. part <laughs> of uh, American Special Forces. Well, uh, right. Everybody but, else on the outside, I mean, we want to be Green Berets. You got to read books and you got, I mean, you have no idea what's real. You think you know what it's all about, but you don't. You know what the deal. You yep. get in there and as soon as you start training, like, wait a minute, this wasn't in the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no. Being fully immersed and embedded in the culture yeah, from, yeah, yeah, from, yeah, the, man, from no, that young no age. No choice. No from, choice. I mean, he knew at 12 years old, this yep. is my path. Your uncles and, I mean, yeah. the same way with our kids. Imagine living in, in that environment with the, with the guys, man. Sometimes you just get consumed by it. And being 
you know, jerked out of his country and getting picked on. I mean, I'm sure that alienated him to just that life. I mean, if he would, if the kids were picking on him, who's he going to turn to? And turn to those uncles. What are they? They're Green Berets. You know, five years old is you know, fast rail. Come on, buddy. You know, just. It, and it's profound, you know, in terms of his character and his character develop to come out of that and to really walk this way. He speaks of you think about how many uh, kids and to, to caveat off your point, wizard, how many kids out there are alienated who don't feel like they fit in because of this, you know, hyper um, uh the, the way the next generations are trying to really put everybody into their own unique classification instead of coming mm. under that one umbrella of um, being an American, being supportive of America, mm -hmm. to support that dream of America and what that means and what it takes to say, you know what, I am different. I don't fit in per se, but I can go and find some, be a part of a, a positive benefit to society, to, to developing America as a melting pot, because it still is, to developing mm. America's status as, as a democracy, as a place for freedom of speech, as a place for the Second Amendment. And it's just not happening because I believe people don't have the proper mentors, like he said, and they don't have the inspiration to tap into a book like the Book of Five Rings. They're just not being exposed to it. Like he said, that um, our popular culture's focus, the lens of focus is on unfortunate areas as opposed to where it probably ought to be. Yeah, you're right. That's another right. good part about having mentors and people at the end of the, at the end of it, you can watch them. Cause you see those old warriors like, man, that's what you, you do now. I want to hear some of these stories. And then you hear stories about him. Like I would have never expect that guy to be doing something like that. But that's the greatest part about it is making that transition. And when you're in that life, man, you walk it as hard as you can. And that, that's, that's the reward on that side. That's minute. true, and that was when you, I mean, he obviously spent a lot of time talking about developing that dichotomy, that Zen moment where you have your, the black side, the white side, your yin-yang, creating that balance and not being so consumed by what he called the fire that you burn yourself out, right? And then your comment, Marcus, about, I love that quote with the two wolves, that Native American... Um, uh, chief, talking to his grandson. Yeah, I don't know. Showing that coming like from that, a completely different culture than the Asian, Japanese, Bushido, all that exactly. stuff, right? That's perfect way that you said that. That wisdom crosses good, yeah. over. So and I really liked when you brought that up. That's how we're all connected, or humanity, right? When you, it's said differently, but it, the, by different cultures, right. yeah, uh -huh. all the same but thing. The same, yeah. Amen. Well, that was one hell of a show, gents. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm super fired up. I mean, that guy is amazing. Uh, if you know, if you're listening, this is your first time, man. You, you just got served a dose of, of what our mission is actually about. Walking the path, being on the way, discovering the tools that you're going to use in order to prepare yourself for a never-quit moment that never ceases to end. We face them all the time, one right after the other. So if you're listening, I hope you heard that aspect from Two Story. If you're back, man... Baby, Marcus, dude, holy cow, man. They are serving us up in ways I can't even imagine. We're well over 5 million downloads now. We're closing in on really? our 100th show. I mean, dude. It's coming, gentlemen. It's coming. And bom, wait till you bom, see bom, what bom. we have prepared for you. Yes, and wait till you see what we have for you.
Uh, so welcome back. If, if you want to know more about what it is we do and why we do it, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. That's tnqpodcast.com. You can follow each one of us, uh, Marcus at Marcus Luttrell on social media, me at Team Frog Logic. And we finally, as we said, although he's been on now and he's beginning to free himself a little bit with his posts, you can find the wizard at TNQ. I'm looking for glimmers of positivity in the social media realm. And it's I, there, bro. You just have to stop I being so a, critical. A glimpse from time find, to time. Find the beauty in, in, in what it is, right? Not in the superficial nonsense, but in the beauty of how we connected. We can share our experiences. We can share what makes us smile. We can share in that peaceful state of mind. Like the table you posted, bud. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Just search the wizard <laughs> at TNQ. All right. What we're going to do now is, as we typically do, is we're going to end the show with a reader, uh, with a listen. What we're going to do now is do we're going to we're gonna do something. We're going to do something. <laughs> something about to happen. Something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. Uh, and what, what's about to happen is a listener write-in story. And this one was perfect for the show. All right, here we go. This is from David. Great name, by the way. Very original. It's better than Wizard. My dad's like, you gave him that. <laughs> touche, touche. All right, you win that. I don't know if your name right. is Wizard. No, bro. Real you, life? You'd be hazed. Like You're Wizard whole, uh, Jones? You would have to become like a That's magician a or some kind of wizard. Or you better be guy. pretty damn good at something. That's almost as bad as Sue. Yeah, you do have to be good at something. Which is that. an interesting point. Does right. the name make the man or the man make the name? Do people Ooh. grow into it? Do people grow into it? Well, Chief Hooks, his kids, his, he named his son Steel. Really? Steel Hooks. Yeah. Was he going to become Iron Man? He's tough son of a gun, though. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah I mean, he's growing up. He's Hawaii, too. He's got oh, yeah. blonde hair and blue eyes. So you, oh. you know he's tough, right? Gotta With be. With a name like Steel Hooks in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, my God. That's pretty cool. Epic. It is, right? Is it E E L? Yeah. Deal is in yeah. All right. Sorry, David. Here we are. Back to your story. For starters, thank you guys for executing such a unique yet re relatable podcast. The stories and guests you have on the show are consistent reminders that I'm not the only one facing adversity and hardships. I couldn't be happier to be part of such a positive communi community that is making an incredible impact through simple yet astonishing conversations. So for that, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I served in the 160th SOAR from 2010 to 2014 as a Chinook helicopter crew chief. I was blessed to be able to take part of some amazing experience with, most, with the most elite military forces in the world. After departing the very unit and company that molded me into the man I am today, I wanted to share my story and experiences as a night stalker with the world. There have been few books written about the unit, and those that have been written were done so from the pilot's perspective. I mean, let's face it, when someone mentions the night stalkers, they automatically think of the pilots. After getting out, I was determined to write a short story about the unique and pivotal role as an enlisted 160th Chinook crew chief. I began writing the short story after settling down in my hometown of Colorado. I was balls to the wall and wrote every night for the next two months. My short story went from 1,000 words to 10,000 and then to 40,000 words. 
My story wasn't so short anymore, and I became determined to write a book. Around the same time I set this goal in the summer of 2014, I was also beginning to cope with a missing link in my life. There was no more brotherhood. There were no more deployments. And in the comfort of the United States, I felt lost. I missed war, and I missed dropping off rough men in the middle of the night to ensure bad things happen to bad people. I relived some of my combat experiences in my sleep, and the one thing that helped me cope was alcohol. The book was sidelined, and the most important thing in my life was getting blackout drunk nearly every night just to ensure I was able to sleep through the night. In 2015, almost a year after I started writing my story, I had not written anything and was ready to end my life. I slumped down in a corner of my apartment while scenes from Black Hawk Down played out on the TV. With a 30 out 6 in my lap, I began to raise the long rifle to my mouth. Before I could reach the safety, my girlfriend walked into the apartment. I immediately started to cry. A rush of emotions pulsed through my body, and I had hit an all-time low. Over the next two years, this vicious cycle continued. I isolated myself from everyone around me and took everything out on my girlfriend, now wife. Toward the end of 2017, I still had not put pen to paper in pursuit of my goal of writing a book. I received horrific news toward the end of the year. My good friend, who I knew through my time in the 160th, had passed away during the Q course at Fort Bragg. Sergeant Alex Delita was a dedicated one was a dedicated 160th Black Hawk crew chief, and he would light up any conversation he was a part of. He wanted to further his career and started his journey through the SF pipeline. He was so close to competing the course and donning the prestigious Green Beret. Unfortunately, he suffered catastrophic wounds while on the HME range during the course. After hearing this news, a switch flipped in me, and I realized Alex could never tell his never-quit story anymore. After learning about Alex's death, I put pen to paper again and was determined more than ever to tell my story about the greatest aviation unit in the world and what it took to get there. I began counseling and quit drinking. I began to write every day again and 40,000 words turned into 100,000. I was on fire and I could see the light at the end of my ambitious goal. At the beginning of January 2018, I completed the first draft of the book totaling 136,000 words and some 356 pages. At the time I've written this, I've been sober for six months. After several rounds of editing, I submitted the book to the Pentagon. The book is now number five in the queue waiting to get reviewed. I decided to write about my struggle transitioning out of the special operations community in the last chapter of the book. My hope is that someone out there going through the same obstacles will read it and see they are not alone. Through my struggle and journey, I have realized that it is not only important to never quit on your goals, but to not quit on your family or loved ones either. I'm grateful for my family, my brothers, and God for not allowing me to pull that trigger. Night Stalkers, don't quit.
Mm. Wow, David, that's awesome, brother. Congratulations to you and your fight to make it through those dark days, through the through and come out to the light, and for having the tenacity and focus to write down your story to share with the world. You're a true testament to the the vision, the the drive, and the uh, passion that the Night Stalkers preach and live by every day, man. I have so much profound respect for all those guys that I got to work with over the course of my entire career. Uh, so thank you. I also want to mm-hmm. thank too for coming on this show, man. What an amazing individual powerful story of of survival uh through perseverance through you know training through mindset man you are one of a kind too and i i can't wait to get you back on the show i am uh putting book of five rings on my reading list and i'm gonna start reading that i want to thank god i want to thank christ i want to thank my girls i want to thank my new girlfriend in my life for showing me the true path Uh, i i just want to thank Man, I want to thank all our listeners. Without you, we couldn't do this. You are the reason why we do this. Your stories you write in that you share with us is the reason why we do it. So thank you. But mostly you two. Gents, brothers. Yes, sir. uh, Thank you for the journey you've both been on. Thank you for coming on this journey with me and for helping me serve the greater good in a way I never dreamed of. So thank you. Me too, bro. Absolutely, brother. That's great that he, he put that pen to paper. Right. If you're bored looking for something to do, do that. Creative. Start writing. Because you know those guys have the they have epic stories. Oh. Because a lot of times they're hovering overhead <laughs> they watching, get to watch it happen, <laughs> right? watching it go down. They get to watch it happen. I mean, the play by play. And he's right, though, because the pilots are busy piloting. And yep. when, you know, they got the gunners and, and doing everything. But, man, when they got eyes down on top of us, the way those 160th guys scream, man, man, it's just brilliant they drive those things like they stole them <laughs> but you, that's the way you have to do it in some of the situations because you know how we'll, we won't run to where it's easy to get us out we'll get our ass pigeonholed into a corner and be like he's down here <laughs> <laughs> and they never almost never say no they'll, dude. Uh, or they'll drop the, the sexiest thing is when they drop that bird right in the middle of a gunfire in between us and them right and they Sick. open up with that whoop they flip that door anyways <laughs> Yeah, tell those stories. All of them, all you guys, man. That's that's the greatest part about our generation, man. Is everybody has them, and the more they come out and you hear about them, the more it puts it together. Like you can kind of understand and how the whole dynamic of the system works, how we get things done as proficiently as we do. And with two lamb, man, you, it was just an honor to to listen to the to another warrior talk about his path from the start mm-hmm. to the finish, mm-hmm. lining that out, and just kind of. Even if the situation is different, it's all relative, right? I mean, you, those the emotions that run through it and, and the situations that we get in. For him to have gone through all that and then do what he did is absolutely phenomenal. I, I agree with you. And the, you guys who came on to listen to this one, that's 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 a good one. Keep that one down. And the Book of Five Rings, read it. And Sung Tzu, The Art of War, read that one too. It's it's worth it. And uh, everybody else, man, I can, five million downloads. Is that what you said? We're, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're, we're headed towards six. It's crazy, right? It's crazy, dude. That's a lot. It is a lot. Thank you all so much for that, man. It's truly been a blessing to just to walk among you. Really, it is. And um, thank the good Lord upstairs for giving me the life I have and my wife for letting me have fun with you guys and do all this, man. I'm out. Out.
never quit. Team never quit. Team never quit radio. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.